Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. Hey, let's get into the Word now. Today is the fifth and final part of our message series, Who's Your One? Who's Your One? And we started out this series five weeks ago now by challenging ourselves to imagine what if. What if? And we imagined what if every born-again believer, every Christian, at every age, every walk of life, had at least one individual that they were actively praying for and intentionally seeking opportunities to share the message of God's grace with them. What if? And we built off of the what if each week by being reminded that Jesus invites you and I, his church, to join him in his mission. That is the mission of saving souls. That was Jesus' mission. He says, I have come to seek and to save the lost. We built off that and we learned and were reminded that Jesus not only invites us to join his mission, but he made us for his mission. We are created for that mission. In fact, he saved you and I to send us on mission. He found us while we were lost so that he might find others through us after he has found us. Listen, church, found people find people. It's just a matter of you and I surrendering to Jesus and being available to be used by him. Church family, listen to me this morning. Jesus desires to work through you to reach the world for his namesake. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your economic status. Jesus wants to work through you to reach the world. And I want to say something today. A lot of times... Young people, our teenagers, tend to go, you know what, I'm too young, maybe I should wait till I get a little bit older and then Jesus can use me. No, 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 no. Jesus wants to use you right where you already are. I want to say something now to just the opposite age group, our seniors, our older folks. Some of you at times are guilty of saying and thinking, well, I'm up in age, I'm retired, I don't go that many places anymore, and my friends are few. Uh, You know what, maybe the mission doesn't apply to me anymore. Listen, if you have breath in your lungs today, Jesus wants to use you to accomplish his mission in the world. If you read the scriptures, you will see that God uses individuals, guys and gals, of all ages to do great and mighty things here on earth for his namesake. And so if you're here today and you say, well, I just don't have any friends that are lost. I don't have any friends that are far from the Lord. It's time to make more friends because you and I are here today for the mission of Jesus. 
It's what we are invited to, it's what we are made for, and it's what we are saved for. Every day and in every season of life, the Lord is placing ones around us that he wants to lift up out of their spiritual pits and set their feet on solid ground. All the time the Lord is putting people around us that he wants to touch through you and I. But it is a matter of us being in step with the Spirit of God. And each and every day asking the Lord through prayer to give us an awareness spiritually to identify the ones that he is placing in our lives or in our circles of influence, as we talked about a few weeks ago. Now, speaking of asking the Lord in prayer to give us awareness of these ones, theologian John Owen once said, He who prays as he ought will endeavor to live as he prays. Let me read that one more time. He who prays as he ought will endeavor to live as he prays. You know why that is? When we go before the Lord in prayer, we get the heart of God. When we go before the Lord in prayer, the Father's heart and the Father's desires becomes our heart and becomes our desires. And the Lord begins to help us see the ones around us the way that he sees them. He who prays as he ought will endeavor to live as he prays. Throughout my years in ministry, I've heard people say things like, you know what, pastor, we need a prayer ministry. Or I've heard them say, hey, the church really needs a prayer ministry. Nothing wrong with that. I understand the intent behind it. But listen to me, church. Prayer is not a ministry of the church. Prayer is the ministry of the church. We don't create a separate prayer ministry and tuck it away in some room of the church or in some home of the church. Prayer is the ministry of the church. And everything we do as a church, every ministry that functions under the umbrella of the Lord's New Testament church should be bathed and seasoned in prayer. We don't create a separate prayer ministry where a handful of people serve over there praying for the things of the church and go, hey, they'll cover it in prayer. We all cover the work of the Lord's church in prayer. It is all of our ministry to go before the Lord in prayer. Now, in regards to the mission of Jesus, to evangelism, to sharing the good news, to influencing our ones for the for the, the namesake of our Lord and Savior, Dr. Eric, uh, Eric Mason, author and pastor, he says this, this will be on the screen. He says, we don't need a revival of missionary techniques in evangelism. He says, we need a revival of fervent prayer in our evangelism. I don't want to move on too quick from that. I want to let it sink in for just a moment. We don't need a revival of missionary techniques 
and evangelism. We need a revival of fervent prayer in our evangelism. See, oftentimes we are guilty of trying to do the work of the Lord in our own power and in our own strength. And at times when we do that, we can get good results. But church, we don't want good results. We want God results. And when we go before the Lord in prayer and call on the Father and call on the Son and call on the Spirit to work mightily on our behalf, He's eager to answer. Friends, prayer is not complicated. We complicate prayer. Prayer is simply talking with God. And God, our Father in heaven, desires that you and I communicate with Him through prayer. Let me share just a few references with you this morning. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says, This is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything in prayer according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. James chapter 5, verse 16 James 5, 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You know, as children of Jesus, as born-again believers, we have been called righteous. And the scriptures say here, James, the brother of Jesus, says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let me share another reference with you, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him, being Jesus, who is able, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Think about that for a moment. Think about the prayers that you often lay before the Lord. He is able to do far more abundantly than you ask or think when you go before him in prayer. Isn't that amazing today? And the scriptures go on to say here that according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Think about these scriptures and think about prayer in relation to your ones. To the people that God has been placing on your heart over the last four to five weeks. Now, according to these passages here today, I think we can accurately conclude that we would be foolish to not go before the Lord in prayer in regards to our ones. We must be going before the Lord daily, laying our ones before Him, laying our motives before Him, and asking Him to go before us and to prepare the hearts of our ones and to give us wisdom as we walk and to guide our words as we speak. Now here's one thing I know about us today. Sharing our faith is hard. Would you agree with that? Sharing our faith is hard. As we've been going throughout this series, 
I've been talking to our group leaders and asking them how the discussions have been going on Sunday nights at home group in relation to the sermons. And one of the things I've heard every week is, man, people have a really hard time sharing their faith. They're fearful. Fearful of saying the wrong thing. Fearful of what others might think of them. They're hurried. They don't slow down enough to notice the opportunities that God has put before them. And the list of reasons could go on. But I want to share something encouraging with you today. One of the greatest evangelists to ever join the mission of Jesus was a murderer of Christians before Jesus got a hold of his life. That evangelist I'm referring to is the Apostle Paul. One of the greatest evangelists ever, yet he was a murderer of Christians before Jesus got a hold of him. But after Jesus got a hold of him, he went from murdering Christians to then saying in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, that he did not count his life of any value nor as precious to himself, but that he only wanted to finish the course and the ministry that he received from the Lord Jesus, which was to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, while evangelism is hard for us, it was also difficult for Paul. And I know this because if you read Paul's letters, nearly every letter that Paul wrote, he asks his brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for him in regard to sharing the gospel. A murderer of Christians, Jesus gets a hold of him. He goes on to become one of the greatest evangelists ever. He goes on to write 28% of the New Testament. Yet even for Paul, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ was a challenge. We know that because he asked his brothers and sisters over and over again, pray for me in this matter. I want us to look today at how Paul asked the Colossian church, to pray for him as he lived on mission with Jesus. We're going to read this passage, we're going to make some observations, and then we're going to draw some application for it in regards to how we should pray as we join the mission of Jesus. Let's begin reading now in verse 2 of Colossians chapter 4. Paul writes there, Continue steadfastly in prayer. He doesn't say, as you feel like it, pray. He doesn't say, if you find some time in your schedule, pray. What he does say is continue steadfastly in prayer. He's saying, be devoted to it. And he says, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. You know, when you go before the Lord in prayer, God gives you spiritual vision. And he helps you be watchful. He helps you be watchful as you go to him in prayer. And Paul goes on to say here, at the same time, pray also for us. Here's where the evangelism comes in. That God may open to us a door for the word. To declare the mystery of 
of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Pray that we walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So this is how Paul asks the believers at the Colossian church to pray for him as he goes on mission with Jesus. But we also see some things here in regards to how you and I should pray to our Father in heaven as we join the mission of Jesus. And how we should pray that God help us to respond and to touch the ones that he has placed in our lives and in our circles of influence. Let's begin to look at those today. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. As you go on mission with Jesus, pray for, number one, opportunities. Pray for opportunities. Paul said in Colossians 4 verse 3, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. In other words, pray for us that God would give us an opportunity to share the good news of the grace of God. See, hopefully at this point in this series, you've taken that worksheet home that we gave you a few weeks ago. You've identified your circles of influence or your uh, missional circles. And hopefully you've identified some ones that God has placed in your life in those circles of influence that you believe he is leading you to impact. The step now you want to take is praying that God would give you opportunities to share his good news with them. And I promise you this, church, When you ask the Lord for opportunities, he is going to open a door for you. I can promise you that. Here's how I can promise you that, and here's why I can promise it to you confidently. Jesus wants to work through you to reach people. And when you get your heart in sync with his heart, and you're asking him for the opportunity, oh, he wants to work on your behalf. And he wants to put the opportunity in front of you to share his love and share his message with the world around you. In 2009, just a few years ago, mine and Lauren's, one of our first vehicles, bit the dust. It was actually Lauren's first car that she had in high school. And man, it bit the dust. It needed a major repair that was going to cost more than the vehicle was actually worth. And so we began to go on the hunt for finding a good cash car, something we could pay cash for, not have any payments. And I got the itch for a Jeep Wrangler. And I started to go on the hunt for a Jeep Wrangler that we could pay cash for that would be in our budget so that we could have a, a, just a fun vehicle. Something interesting happened. As I began to go on the hunt for a Jeep Wrangler, all of a sudden I saw Wranglers everywhere. I saw Wranglers everywhere. Isn't that funny? It's not like there were all of a sudden more Wranglers on the road than there used to be. It's that my attention was set on it. You ever notice that? You have a certain car 
or a certain style, a house that you're looking for, and all of a sudden you see those things everywhere? You know, there's a name for this. It's called the reticular activation system. Yeah, I'm pretty smart, church. Believe it or not, I'm pretty smart. What it means is that we all notice more of something if we are focused on it. I believe the same can be said of the ones that God is placing in our lives. If we are focused on the opportunities that God is placing before us, we will see them left and right. You know, it's funny. Throughout this series, I've been a lot more intentional about praying for opportunities. And rarely now does a day go by where I don't have the opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus and about our church. Why is that? Is there all of a sudden more opportunities around me? Nope, they've always been there. It's that all of a sudden I'm focused on it and I'm asking God to open a door, just as Paul did, that I might share a word about his son. Second thing we want to pray for here, according to Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, is boldness. We not only want to pray for opportunities, but we also want to pray for boldness. Paul goes on to say here that, pray that the Lord might open a door to share the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, the mystery of Christ being the gospel. Now, I love the way the NASB puts it. Instead of saying to declare the mystery of Christ, it says to speak forth the word of Christ. In other words, that pray for us to have the boldness to actually share the message of God. I love this because a lot of times we see the opportunity, we see the moment right in front of us, but oftentimes we lack the boldness to let the Lord actually speak through us. And Paul says, pray for me that I might be able to speak forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, as his disciples, as born-again Christians, we are to be bold. We are to be bold. Christians need to be more bold in the world today. Listen, the movements we see in our culture today, the trends we see in our culture today, the folks leading those movements and leading those trends, you know what they are? They're bold. We need to be bold for Jesus. We need to be bold about the gospel. Now, this doesn't mean that we're arrogant. This doesn't mean that we're to be brash. It doesn't mean that we are unkind. But we are to be bold. Let me just share a few scriptures with you. Proverbs 28.1 says that the godly are as bold as lions. Proverbs 28.1, the godly are as bold as lions. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says, Since we have such a hope in Jesus, we are very bold. Philippians 1.14 says, Most of the brothers... Having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Listen, church, quit being bashful about the gospel. Be bold. Listen, we are saved by the King of Kings and by the Lord of Lords. We belong to the Creator of the universe. 
We have been saved by him. We have been made by him. And now he wants to send you on mission. He wants to work through you to be a world changer. It's what you were made for. Be bold. Be confident in the hope that you have in Jesus. Biblical boldness is simply a strong confidence in the Lord. Do you have a strong confidence in the Lord today? Do you have a strong confidence that he can use you to reach your neighbor for Jesus? Do you have a strong confidence that he can use you to touch that individual at the ball field or at the gym or on your team or at the school or or on the walking track where you go throughout the week? Listen, he has put you in the places where you go regularly to be salt and to be light and to join his mission. He wants to work through you. Pray for the opportunities and ask him to give you boldness. The third thing we should pray for is vision. Vision. In Colossians 4 verse 3, we see the clarity of Paul's vision. He says here, For which I have also been imprisoned. Now, Paul is imprisoned for sharing the gospel. He's imprisoned for sharing the good news. He is locked up for joining the mission of Jesus. The flesh here should say, you know what? I'm locked up for this now. I'm in trouble for this now. Maybe I should cut it back a little bit. Maybe I shouldn't be so on fire for Jesus anymore. That's maybe what the flesh would say. But Paul had spiritual vision. And he said, I am imprisoned not only for sharing the gospel, but I am imprisoned to share the gospel while I'm here. And so Paul had a vision for where God had put him. See, church family, you are where you are for the mission of Jesus. You're not at your workplace just to get the task done. You're not just on the ball team just to play ball. Parents, you're not just at gymnastics or at the baseball fields or at the softball fields or at the volleyball court just to watch your children play. That may be part of it, but you're there for a greater purpose. You're there for a greater reason. We are where God puts us for his mission. I can't say it enough times. It is what we are made for. It is what we are saved for. It is what we have been found for. So I encourage you, church, I encourage you, friends, pray daily that God give you opportunities, that he give you boldness, but that he also give you vision for where he has placed you. The other thing I'll mention to you is that you pray for clarity. You want to pray for clarity. Colossians 4 verse 4, Paul goes on to say, pray that I make it clear. Pray that I present the gospel clearly. Pray that I show the love of Jesus clearly. For this is how I ought to speak. Folks, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, it is not a complicated message. We complicate it. Just like we complicate prayer, we complicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be a theologian to share the gospel. 
You don't have to be a pastor to share the gospel. You don't have to be a home group leader to share the gospel. You don't have to be an elder at your church to share the gospel. You don't have to serve on church staff to share the gospel. You just have to be saved by Jesus Christ and forgiven in Jesus Christ and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ and be surrendered and willing to lay your everyday ordinary life before him as an offering that is holy and acceptable to him and then he can work in you and through you to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me share with you how simple it is today. The gospel is simply this. God loves you. God loves you. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have eternal life. God loves you. It's not complicated. No matter your skin color, no matter your family members, No matter what's in your past, no matter what's in your present, no matter what's in your future, no matter how much money you got in the bank, no matter you've had a vaccine or no vaccine, whether you're for a mask or not for a mask, wherever you are today, God loves you. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only does he love you, but he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Jesus died for you. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Think about that. Think about all the things that we deliver to people before we ever deliver the good news of Jesus Christ. And Paul says here, I delivered to you as of first importance what I have received. What did he receive? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. This is the gospel, folks. He was buried, and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. That's our King today. That's our Lord. And no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in your life, the King is on his throne, and he is in control. And no matter the rumors of wars, no matter what the politicians say, our King is sovereign, and our King reigns and he loves you and he loves me and not only that he died for us here's the rest of the good news salvation is available to you salvation is available to you romans 10 9 because if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved Listen, I don't know who it is today, but there's somebody in this room, you needed to hear the gospel just now. And you're the one today. You're the one that needs to call on Jesus Christ to be saved. You're the one that needs to call on Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins so that he might give you new life and lift you up out of the pit and set your feet on solid ground that you may stop living for your purposes and begin living for his purposes. That you may live an abundant life here on earth and live eternally with him in heaven. I'm not sure who it is today, but somebody needed to hear the gospel these last few moments. Billy Graham used to say that he believed at least 70% of people that regularly attended churches on Sundays were not saved. 
I believe it. Because I see a lot of people in churches today, they have a head knowledge of Jesus, but they don't have a relationship with him. Which takes me to our next point. We should pray for wisdom as we join the mission of Jesus. We should pray for wisdom. Colossians 4, 5 says, walk in wisdom. Pray that we walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Now, knowledge is knowing it. Wisdom is applying it. That's why I'll often say, I know some teenagers that are more spiritually mature and more spiritually wise than some folks that may be in their 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s. And you might go, well, how is that? Because wisdom is God's word applied. And I know some teenagers that spend a lot more time applying God's word than I do some folks that have sat in church their entire life. They got a lot of head knowledge, but based on how they live, very little wisdom. Because wisdom is God's word applied. Some of those folks may say to me, what do you mean? I'm not out living in sin. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Listen, sin isn't just not doing the things you shouldn't do. Sin is also not doing the things you know you should do. And there's a lot of things that believers know they should do, and they don't do it. Folks, we would be wise today to join up with the mission of Jesus and start living boldly for the gospel. If you don't believe me, take a look at our culture today. Take a look at the world around us. It is where it is because the church hasn't been who she's called to be. We can sit around all day long and we can point fingers and we can debate folks on social media, but the solution is the church rising up and by the power of God going forward and sharing the gospel. So wisdom is not the same as knowledge. Knowledge is knowing it. Wisdom is living it. But here's some ways for you to filter whether you're living wisely or not. Do my actions reflect that I know Christ? A lot of times I get asked by some people in our church, away from the church, what I think about certain things or certain decisions that people make. And a lot of times these questions are, tend to land in areas that can be considered gray areas of life. Gray or not, ask yourself the question, do my actions reflect that I know Christ? Gray or not, ask this question. Could this decision that I make, could this decision hinder someone else in their walk with Christ? Gray or not, could this decision hinder someone in their walk with Christ? That's wisdom. And if it could hinder someone in their walk with Christ, if it could hinder your testimony, if it could be a stumbling block, then it's probably wisdom to avoid it. We want to walk wisely towards outsiders making the best use of the time. The final thing I'll share with you this morning is this. We want to pray for grace. We want to pray for grace. We want to pray for opportunities. We're going to pray for boldness, for vision, for clarity, for wisdom, and for grace.
Paul says in Colossians 4, 6, he's asking them to pray and he's also giving them instructions that his speech and their speech will always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I love what the Life Application Study Bible has to say about this passage. It says this, it says, when we tell others about Christ... It is important always to be gracious in what we say. To always be gracious in what we say. No matter how much sense the message makes to us or how clearly we deliver it, we lose our effectiveness if we are not gracious. Just as we like to be respected, we must also respect others if we want them to listen to what we have to say. And it goes on here to say that talking about our speech being seasoned with salt simply means this. How we talk to others about the gospel should encourage further dialogue. I love how practical that is. We need to pray for grace. That God give us grace as we go forward and join his mission. That he give us grace when we fall short but that we also model grace in how we talk to others. And one of the ways we do that is simply this. Remember that where you are today is not where you used to be. And sometimes when we share the gospel with folks that are either far from the Lord, have gotten far away from him, have drifted spiritually, or share the gospel with people that have never been saved, We tend to just look at where they are and think, man, I just don't know if there's any chance for them. Listen, folks, we serve a big God. He's called Savior for a reason. He's our Redeemer for a reason. He is healer for a reason because he can take anybody and any soul in any and every situation and he can rescue them. And he can give their life purpose. And he can give them new life in him. And he can do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. I want to close this series out with Romans 12, verse 11. It's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. It says, Never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Oftentimes as Christians, we are zealous. Zealous to serve. Zealous to gather with one another. Zealous to worship. But oftentimes we lack zeal to share the good news of God's grace. And one of the things I've discovered about myself and about our church over the last five weeks is that in this area, we lack zeal. And church, as your pastor, I just confess to you today, I need the Lord to increase my zeal in this area. I'm wondering today if you'll join me. Would you ask the Lord, Lord, increase my zeal and my spiritual fervor to serve you in the mission of sharing your good news 
with the lost world. Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church. Collective Church.